This is a Brains and Babies. I'm your host, Cindy Moneto, and I love all things development, from conception through birth and into early childhood. My number one goal as an educator is to empower mothers with tools to have more balanced children. So if you like babies and or brain info with some semi-crunchy tidbits thrown in here and there, then we can be friends. Hello, friends, and welcome Oh man, do you want to know how it's been a minute since I've recorded a podcast episode? Is that I was just talking without my microphone plugged in. I had plugged in my hard drive and was just chatting away and I was like, man, this sounds different. Like, why can't I hear myself very good? Well, it's because my microphone wasn't on. So, bless my heart. Um, so, thanks for tuning in again. Today, I have an episode about informed consent. Now, I feel like, I don't know, podcasts are they're a weird medium sometimes because I am sitting in a room talking to myself and first of all, there's nothing that will make you feel more self-conscious than having a conversation with yourself. Second of all, there's nothing that will make you feel more like you're like on a little bit of a soapbox than talking to yourself in a room. So I hope that my episodes never come across as like soapboxy. Um, I just, they're, they're conversations that I think need to happen and, and I hope that the information is beneficial. So Informed consent. Um, Without further ado, we'll just jive in. Jive in? Literally, what am I saying? We'll dive in and jive. You can dance if you want. So informed consent. What informed consent is, is it is in a medical situation. It's any communication that happens between you and your healthcare provider where you give your permission before any type of intervention is done. And this is something that I do feel like has been talked about more lately because of what's going on in the world with everything with COVID and mandatory vaccinations and things like that. I do feel like it's being talked about a little bit more um, than it has in in years previously, which I think is good. I think it's a conversation that needs to happen, um, not only about vaccinations, but about everything else. Because for true informed consent, you have to have, as as the, the client or... Um, when getting the medical attention, the patient, you have to be given all the information before making a decision. Now, this includes all possible risks and alternatives, as well as the benefits. Um, It's really common that benefits are given easily, like, you know, oh, this is what you'll feel, and you'll feel this, without being given the actual risks are. Um, Sometimes risks are glossed over, and risks can be anything from like, you know, in like a a commercial for a prescription drug on on TV and it's like risk guard blah, 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 death and you might have a rash and like does a little blurb of everything really super fast so that those same risks need to be given when you're in person having a conversation with your medical provider you need to be given once again not only the risks but possible alternatives so informed consent is what allows you to work collaboratively with your healthcare team instead of being told something to do and just following you have the right to choose we all have the right to bodily autonomy, meaning that we, as the patient, have the right to allow what happens to our bodies medically. Now, this is, once again, I, I do feel like it's being talked about, which makes my heart happy because it's, as I've seen the conversations happen, I've, I've heard and have seen more examples of um, what it's not, which I think is helpful too. So things like just being told, oh, this is just what everyone does. This is just what we do. Um, that that's not informed consent, right? You're not giving your okay. You're not saying, yes, I want to, or what about the risks and the benefits? Sometimes you kind of have to push for them as the patient. Now, 
obviously different providers are going to have certain protocols um, and things that they follow that you might fill out or, or be familiar with and you fill out your paperwork. And that's why it's important to shop around. Like an example I can think of is there are, um, just because of vaccines, that's something that's being talked about, is there are some um, medical offices that allow like alternative vaccine schedules. And then there are some that don't allow it, that their office does not allow their patients to follow an alternative schedule. So when you're picking your provider, those are the kinds of things that it's important to look at. And if you listen to a couple weeks ago, I talked about um, picking a provider. There's a whole episode on it. And that's why it's important to interview people, to shop around, and take the time so that you make sure you choose your provider. Because keep in mind that your provider works for you, not the other way around. So if at any point you feel like it's it's not um, that collaborative effort and it's not you're not being able to... Um, make decisions with your provider and feel like you're being told to do things or bullied into things, then at that point, fire your provider and find a new one. Because there are plenty out there that that are striving to make sure that this informed consent is free-flowing, if you will. So, um, and I know like the even where pregnancy is concerned, you can transfer late. Some people, um, I've heard people in the past be like, oh yeah, well, I'm 37 weeks, so what can I do? I really don't like my OB, or um, there's this one nurse that made me feel really uncomfortable. You, There are places that take like transfers, even at like 38 weeks. Sometimes you have to do a little bit of digging, but it's definitely not off the table. So don't think like, oh, well, I'm this far in my pregnancy. I just kind of have to stick it out. That's not the case. And once again, hopefully when you... Um, interviewed your providers, you you have to develop some trust. And and really you have to, like, do you trust this person with your life? Because it literally could come down to that. And so that's a good rule of thumb when you're first going into the situation. And once again, if at any point in your care, whether it's pregnancy or any other aspect of your life, if you don't feel like you have that trust with your provider, if you are ever filled, um, ever filled, if you ever feel belittled or not validated or like you're not being taken seriously, don't shut your gut gut instinct down. Listen to that. It's your body and you know what you're feeling. And that's something that um, I feel like I once again hear often is people like, you know, I just like, I was feeling X, Y, and Z. Maybe it was like, I was feeling like I had a headache and something wasn't right. But then they just said, oh, you're just a first time mom. You don't know. And then something really was wrong. So you know what you're feeling and don't be afraid to kind of fight for that and push for that. And and once again, make sure you trust them, like trust, trust your provider and develop that relationship. Now, um, informed consent is also not having like quote unquote standard procedures. And once again, there are certain providers that have different protocol in place and that's different. But uh, like an example that I'm thinking of is for some places, a standard procedure is to not have have restricted movement in labor, meaning like you're in a reclined position. Now, that's not necessarily what research shows us is best. Research shows us that movement is key. Movement actually will shorten your labor, decrease your pushing time, um, leads to higher rates of happiness for mom, like maternal satisfaction if they have movement throughout their labor. So if you go in somewhere like, oh yeah, it's just what everyone does, don't be afraid to ask why and what if I want to move? And um and find somewhere where standard procedures are, are based more in evidence and not just because that's kind of how it's always been done. So another example is like directed pushing. 
which is when you're told like, okay, now push one, two, three, and push. And a woman will naturally follow the urge to push and should be able to follow her body's urges when that happens. And that's like Little Ma's organization teaches that, that a woman um, should, that's one of their six healthy birth practices is to follow your body's urge to push. So if that's, if your provider is going against that, it's like, no, no, I'll just tell you when ready and push and push, then you are, that, that power is taken away from you. Now, you should always, where informed consent is, you should always, unless it's an emergent situation and you are unconscious, then in which case um, there is legally, there are you know laws in place that the provider or medical team will hopefully go to your next of kin if they're available and someone to be an advocate for you. And if that's not the case, then if it's a life or death situation, then they will make a decision for you. Now, other than emergent situations... You should not um, be rushed from making a decision. Don't be afraid to ask for a few minutes of privacy. You should always be able to chat. Now that, um, I'll use like a labor or birth example. Like let's say you are a laboring woman. You have been laboring for like 10 hours or something. And something is presented and said, you know what? We're going to go ahead and let's just get you in for a C-section. That that's first of all not informed consent. They didn't ask for your permission. Second of all, if that is something and you want to consider it, just ask. You know what? Can we have a few minutes of privacy? Discuss it with your partner, um, your labor support person, so like a doula or maybe a midwife or someone else that you have with you. You should be able to have some privacy to discuss, to be able to follow your intuition and find the decision that's right for you in that moment because that's going to vary. Now. Um, other examples of what informed consent is not. So just a few things like being told, all right, let's go ahead and break your water. Unless you've explicitly told them, Hey, if I get to this point and, um, I'm not progressing or something happens, I would like to break my water, right? Unless that's something in your birth plan or that you've talked about with your provider, no one should ever break your water without you saying that. Um, another thing that is not is being told like, you're not progressing. So let's go ahead and up your Pitocin. You should be able to discuss what do you want to do? What's the best plan of action? Um, I have literally, I had a friend that told me that her provider said this. This is not verbatim because I wasn't there, but basically this. The doctor said something like, a lot of women think they want an unmedicated birth, but where you haven't been through it, let's just go ahead and plan on an epidural. What? That's crazy to me. I would be like, you're fired to see you right then, but I'm not a very patient person. Um, so that, once again, if you have made the decision to have an unmedicated birth, you should find a care team that is going to support you in that. And if they, if your care provider does report when they feel like an epidural is beneficial, which there are definitely those instances, once again, it should be collaborative. It should look more like, hey, I know our plan was an unmedicated birth. Um, you have been laboring for 16 hours. It seems like you're exhausted. How are you feeling? If you're like, yeah, I am exhausted. I don't know what to do. Okay, for baby's health, I would suggest, you know, let's let's move forward and maybe look at getting an epidural. Then you could say, you know what, can I have a minute to talk about it? Sure. Care provider leaves. You discuss with your partner, husband, birth team, whoever, and decide, yeah, that's right. I'm exhausted. The goal is to get baby here healthy and happy. Let's move forward with that. Provider comes back in. You're like, yeah, let's go ahead and move forward with an epidural. That That is okay. That is informed consent. You've discussed it. You've made the decision. The power was not taken away from you. And during that process, you should have been given the benefits and the risks as well. Um, and that's that's a little plug I am now taking doula clients. Ooh, ooh. 
So it's a little plug for having a doula. Having a doula there is a trained birth professional that can help advocate for you when you need it. And the, the, the goal of the doula is not to take away your voice, but to help um, give you a voice when you need it. Or once again, just be a sounding board for you. For if they're like, hey, uh, maybe you are in a point where you're debating something, you can discuss with your doula and, and the rest of your birth team be like, hey, this is what I'm feeling um, and, and let's move forward. And it's just another sounding board for you. Other examples when it's not, not just in birth, but it applies everywhere. Um, like, let's go and get your kid all caught up on their immunizations or shots. Or um, I'm just going to prescribe you X medication, just take it and you'll be fine. Which, okay, if you've reached a point where you're like, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about what I want to be prescribed. I'm not, I'm not feeling good. This is what I'm feeling. Um, you should always, once again, give, give consent instead of just being told to do it. I also have heard of lots of instances where something is said, like with the baby is, I'm just going to give your baby some formula. You're just not making enough milk. Or babies are often taken away and given a bath without consent. Maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you've looked into the benefits of delayed bathing and you want to delay your baby's bath for a little bit. So once again, it, it's from everything from a bath to surgery. There should be informed consent for any procedure along the way. And and that, that can compound and there can be little ones that, that add up to um, what we perceive as larger ones. So um, I was going to give a few birth examples, but it applies to all aspects of medical care. Family physicians, pediatricians, um, everything from prescriptions to vaccines, any, any treatment plan, there should be, once again, I feel like I've said this 80,000 times, maybe I should tattoo it on my forehead, there should be a collaborative discussion that's given. Now, um, I, like I, this is just random, but I, there was a news story a few years ago about, it was actually in my, my home state of Utah, that there was this woman who, I don't remember why, she went to the ER, I think for something like vomiting related, and she was sedated so that her body would have time to like rest and recuperate, and she woke up from her sedation early, and she was being given a vaginal exam, which she didn't um, consent to, but she was in um, a hospital where there were like a rotation of medical students, and so uh, it kind of came out and there was a bunch of news stories about it, how it's really common for medical students to perform these non-consensual exams basically on sedated patients. And since then, I think that was like in 2007 or eight, don't quote me on that. Um, but since then, it's been challenged and brought up in the court systems. And in the years since, many states have made it illegal to perform pelvic exams without consent. And ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, also came out and said, that's, that's not okay. Even though that's been the standard, that doesn't mean that it's ethical. So that that's an example of, once again, something that has been occurring in our current medical system where true informed consent was never, never part of that. And that's why I feel strongly about it is because I'm not... I'm not trying to vilify medical professionals. I love them. I love doctors and nurses and medical people. I have some in my own family, but I do think that many of the standards of care need to change, especially where Western medicine is concerned. There are a lot of practices that are being done that are no longer backed up by the science and the research that are just done, you know, because that's just the way it is, or that's just what we've always done. And that's what I have a problem with. And I do feel like I'm starting to see shifts where because the people, the consumers are demanding changes, the system is changing. And I think that's necessary. And I, I also think it's exciting. So be be an advocate for yourself and an advocate for your children. I it's It's so interesting because I feel like the world is talking a lot about the importance of consent. Um, 
especially where, you know, like physical consent is concerned um, in relationships and things like that. And for side note, I am not opposed to that. I agree wholeheartedly, like times 1000%. Consent should be talked about. It should be taught to our kids. I'm a survivor of abuse myself. And so I'm not negating the importance of that conversation. But of all the voices that I hear and see, like especially in, a, in an online setting and things like that, where it's, it's easy to see those kinds of things. Very few are talking about informed consent in a medical space, but that it's also something intimate, you know, and, and in a way it's, it's something that, um, it involves what's happening with our bodies, what's going into our bodies, what another person is doing to them. So I, once again, that's why I feel passionately about it is I think that's a conversation that needs to happen more. And once again, with our own health and then with our kids as well. Um, and, and having that advocacy is, is very important. So that's, once again, soapbox, I don't know, maybe, but you could have turned it off if you wanted to, (laughs) maybe you will. So, (laughs) um, Those are my thoughts on informed consent. Once again, I feel like some of the things I said tie back to the last episode I did about picking a a care provider. Um, I'm going to do a whole other episode, maybe next week, about um, kind of thinking critically when decisions are given to you and some resources to turn to, um, to kind of research into decisions that are presented so that you can truly make an an informed choice. I don't know if you have thoughts, if you have questions, if you have experiences, if you have stories, good or bad, of informed consent, I'd love to hear them and and get the conversation going. Once again, especially in an online space, because so much is is being talked about in social media, and I think it's a great forum for that. So follow along of Brains and Babies on Instagram. Um, I used to say Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I really mostly only on Instagram. I can't keep up with all the other things in addition to having two humans to keep alive and trying to keep my house to be not a tornado and all that good stuff. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for following along. Um, And hope you have a good day.